0: Welcome to Hope Haven Church. So we are a real church. We reach, we evangelize, we accept, and we love. And this is our one year anniversary.
1: choose to come to Hope Haven? Me, I come to Hope Haven because of the fellowship. The people here are amazing. I also come here for the Word of God. I believe that Pastor Joel does an amazing job of bringing forth the Word. I love that he has a topic that people can relate to and that we can use it in everyday life. And I feel like I'm always inspired when I come
2: out to visit Hope Haven. I choose to come to Hope Haven because my god brother is the pastor and it's like a family. And the word is very good and it's just friendly and everybody
3: is like loving. Well, I joined, well, I'm a little bit biased because the pastor is my brother, but not even just that, but I know him to be a man of God and he is a word preacher. And like you said, you know, I enjoy the Bible studies. I enjoy coming out. I enjoy the praise and worship. I Mm -hmm. just enjoy the whole service. I enjoy the fact that everyone, all the members, have an opportunity to participate in the services. Um, You know, it is something different, something new, something Mm -hmm. fresh. (laughs) Every single Sunday, I love meeting new people. I just love speaking to people in the community, whether it be at work, you know, even if I'm out at the store, just, you know, giving them information on Hope Haven and what we're about.
4: Well, one, I know that... Pastor Joel is a young man of God, and God uses him. And for the times such as these, it's Christ plus nothing, the Word and nothing else. And that's the reason why I was led to Hope Haven, because I know how God uses the young man of God, and I thank God for it.
5: Well, Anthony and Yasmin invited me to come. You started out at the door, and I came and I joined myself, and then. Uh, Pastor Joel bore forth the word. Then I started coming to Bible study when you were at the um, uh, Voorhees Town Center. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy how he breaks down the word because I told him, I said, you make me want to study, which is I suppose to. But I love the way he goes into the scriptures of things that I read before in the Bible, but not that really know the depth of it, like he did with Esther and Ruth, and yeah. those things, to really understand. So that's what got my attention. Is that I don't like all that. There's nothing wrong with shouting and dancing, mm-hmm. but I like to be taught. And yeah. he's a great teacher. And that's what I tell people: if you want to be te- here teaching of the Lord, come to Hope Haven. We don't be shouting and running all over the place, but you're going to hear the word of God. why
2: well, you come because I, lo- I love to play with my cousins outside. It's because um, it's family
6: oriented. Um, it's a lot of love here. Um, I love the word of God because he's a teacher, so he teaches the word. Um, he doesn't pollute it with his own thoughts and ideas, but because the word is strong, it's a good foundation, um, and I love it because family comes.
3: Yeah, I'm about the same way. Um, it's family oriented. It's a place where I can come, um, do some work, Uh, also just see um, the growth every Sunday. Uh, It's word-based and it's very timely.
6: My reason for choosing Hope Haven is because I've known Pastor Joel for quite a while and just seeing how God has manifested on his life and in his life was just beautiful and I love that he breaks the word down to where a child can understand, and he just gives clarity, or you know, just anyone of any age, um, and he just makes you feel like you know you're important, that you're a part of this word, and that um, it's definitely a message for you in the world, and that's what I like most about um, Pastor Joel. It's it's a um, I guess I want to say it's like a personal thing, but you know, I just love the way that he explains it. I love the way that God has actually manifested on him and the way he brings Thank the word to. It's different than what I've ever seen in my life.
2: I love Hope Haven Church because I love hearing about the word of God. I love the atmosphere, I love the um, the family community.
6: Nice. I started coming to Hope Haven. Uh, my grandson was part of the ministry before when it started to off, and then after I lost my grandson, and Pastor uh, Joe was the one that did the funeral, and he didn't know i been known Pastor Joe since he was a child, and then grew up to be a pastor, and I just wanted to come and you know let him. Know that I appreciate what he did with my son, uh, my grandson, who's uh, just like my son. And when I started coming, I enjoy listening to him, and I enjoy hearing the word because my soul is being
1: filled to him. Well, I enjoy Pastor Joel speaking, um, and I want to continue hearing his word.
2: Interesting.
5: Hi. Why do you enjoy coming to Hope Haven?
7: I like Hope Haven. It is a good Bible verse, Bible-based church. And um, there's no judgment. It's a good church to come to.
2: Hmm. My aunt, was his grandma, um kept telling me, like, you need to come check it out. You know, I think you'll like it. So um, when I first came, I think it was in the studio, and I experienced Joel preach is when I felt a different type of spirit that I never felt anywhere before. So when I left, my aunt asked me how did I feel about it. And I told her I felt like this would be a place that I could call home. So uh, for me, home payment is comfort. It's peace of mind. It's delightful. I feel like I get a word I have wrong to get a relationship with God. I feel like people understand you. No one's judging you. Come as you are literally means come as you are. I always tell my friends when I come here, I just feel like no one cares what you look like, what you live, how you live. All they really care about is generally saving lives and souls. And that's personally why I come here because it feels like a family outside of your own family. And it's just a lot of love and the spiritual, the spiritual things that I get when I leave here are things that I honestly take and walk with every day now without even having a self-conscious of it to where now Whenever I learn in church, I actually go to work and we talk about it. I started coming to Hope Haven because my you aunt know, introduced me to it, and I also like coming here because I don't have to be dressed up or anything. It's like when I come here, I get the word much better and I understand it more. And I like people here.
7: Oh <laughs>
2: no. Even though most of them knew when I was like little. <laughs> what made me choose Hope Haven would definitely
7: be. Um, there's, a, I guess, a little bit of background on myself. Is that I went a period of time when I didn't go to church almost intentionally, but I've always known Joel and uh, my brother-in-law Lamont uh, when they started Hope Haven and uh, what they decided to practice, and I think is now the mission statement is to be real. It's to be real, which is uh, which means reach evangelize, accepting, love. Those last two really, really spoke profoundly to me. And not only did it speak profoundly to me, but I saw it in their actions and in how the ministry grew and developed. And I felt it when I finally came to the church. Uh, accepting and loving are, are very important to me. And Jesus came to love and accept. And I really appreciate that by Hope Haven that we do that and do just that. We accept people as they are. So yeah, that's why I chose and continue to choose and will continue to choose Hope Haven.
2: Why do you like coming to Hope Haven Church? Because I like getting prizes. Because I like the Children's Church and the Fourth Sunday Fellowships. I come to Hope Haven Church to learn about Jesus and God and all about the Bible. Because it's a word church. I've learned so much since I joined a year ago. I didn't know how much i didn't know so he goes through the word every week and we make sure in in bible studies he makes sure that we learn everything he asks his questions he makes me participate Uh, which i don't like to do but now i do what's your most memorable moment
5: in hope haven
1: um fearless fridays Hmm.
5: what's your most memorable moment in hope haven
7: um back to the river winds bible studies fearless fridays up to Beginning Sundays.
4: My most memorable moment since attending Hope Haven. Every time I come into the sanctuary, hear the word of God is a most memorable moment because I'm hearing Christ. It gives me um, knowing that God spoke a word and used the man of God to get me back until the next week, to get me throughout the week, and. Every time I come in here is a memorable moment to know that God is still alive and he's still using his man man alive to give to the people of God.
2: What is your most memorable moment? The most memorable moment is when the first day I joined and I was really happy,
3: very happy. Um, I was around for the Bible studies that were at, you know, Pastor's house, but I always, you know, would see the joy and the happiness that it gave Pastor and, you know, Rachel, just to have everyone there. And then you know he would explain what happened in those Bible studies, and it just seemed like it was just something so interesting. And then as we moved on, and then we were at the Red Dwarf Studios, and I always felt like we were in an arena, and it just really was a very nice atmosphere.
1: My most memorable moment was a couple of weeks ago, we had the barbecue, and it was really nice, but a lot of fellowship and a lot of fun. We had a great time. We enjoyed ourselves in the Lord. We got to, I got to meet a lot of people that come out the Hope Haven. But yeah, I like it. It's a really great church. I can't wait to the anniversary.
2: Some of my early memory, memories are like their Bible studies at the house where we just sat and we ate a lot of good food. a ate lots of good food. <laughs> and we just talked as a family. Like even if people came in, the more they came in, the more we just
6: felt like a bigger and bigger family. My most memorable was just um, hearing that it was no longer a ministry, that it was now a church. That was my prayer, and I thank God for um, letting that manifest in my lifetime.
3: My most memorable moment is actually when we first came here, because we were searching um, through different buildings every weekend, trying to find the right place. and then. Um, Pastor Moorfeld said that he met um, Pastor Allen and that he had this place, um, which is already laid out for us. Uh, It's kind of the perfect location.
4: So I chose to join Hope Haven Church because um, I guess for a few few reasons, actually. Um, One being that it's family and I grew up with everybody. um, So it was a chance to really just reconnect um, with family again. But the other reason was just when Pastor Joel shared his vision and for the church and what God had given him to do um, with the church, it really resonated with me, and I was just really excited about um, the vision and, and, and what we were going to do as a church um, and as a body. So I was just grateful to um, honestly really be a part of it.
6: Yes, um, and my most um, memorable moment is how, when I look across the audience and I see three generations, that strikes me over and over again, how we have the seniors, we have the young adults, and then we have the youth, and every time I come here and walk and see so many um, different kinds of people, um, that's always a um, good memory throughout the week for me.
2: Fairless Fridays, um, it was just in a certain excitement that came with the Fearless Fridays. Everybody came together, we put together a service, we were just starting out.
0: Before Hope Haven, before he actually did the Bible studies, he would plan. Mm-hmm. And we would have these meetings, and it would be me and Darnell, Lamont and Ashley, Kara, Rachel, Pastor Joel. And we would have these meetings at his house to try and like map out exactly what the plan was for him. And then he started Bible study and people started coming at his house and then people fell off and pe- you know, like it was a transition. It's gonna happen. And fast forward, we were at the town center for a while, the Voorhees town center, and that was really cool. And people came out there and it was just so interesting at like to see how many different people actually just like took part in it. Mm-hmm. And people came, you know, church is like a rotating door. And people come and people go right. and then we did the Fearless Fridays. And that was fun. Yeah, you were. We have plenty of pictures of you just like. And I love it, just
7: (laughs) The the most meaningful experience I had here was actually taking communion for the first time. I had never taken communion. And that is, again, because I was so scared of taking communion because of how it was explained to me prior to be. uh, I think then I was I was, you know, a young man at 20, 26 years old. And to have never taken communion um, it meant a lot for me to finally get to that point in my walk with God and take communion.
4: My favorite memory um, is Fearless Friday. It was a Fearless Friday where my nephews and two of my cousins came out, and we just like it was a great time. Like we just worshipped together, we laughed together, just had a ball, and like you could see even from the pictures, like everybody had was like cheese and had big smiles on their faces, worshiping the Lord and having a good time in the Lord.
6: Well, I remember some, but the main was like New Year's Eve party. I enjoyed that and my granddaughter, she really loved it, it was a beautiful time.
4: Happy birthday, happy first birthday to me church.
8: How's everybody doing today? It's One year old, guys. That's right all right as you guys can see in two years we've done a lot we've done a lot done a lot and been through a whole lot of transitions and seen a lot of stuff uh, but God has been so good to us and for that I am so grateful so um I'm gonna just get right to it I told the folks in our little uh, huddle this morning that I don't have much to say but um, I'm really just overwhelmed and overjoyed over what God has done. Um, so happy to see you guys come out to support us on today. Um, so I just want to go right to the Word. Y'all know how I am. I, I, I can't do a whole lot of great. I'm not great with introduction. So we're going to go to the book of Acts, 27th chapter, 9th mm-hmm. verse. Um, and yet the best is still yet to come. Oh, y'all missed that. The best is still yet to come. Uh, So we're still doing some great things. Um, uh, I don't even want to get into everything that's going on, but um, this year is going to be an amazing year for Hope Haven Church. All right. So uh, I want to talk today from Acts, the 27th chapter, ninth verse. And like I said, I'm not going to be long, uh, but the title of this message is uh, Still Holding On. Still Holding On. Still Holding On. Uh, Starting at the ninth verse, it says here, By now, much time had passed, and the voyage was already dangerous. Since the fast was already over, Paul gave his advice and told them, Men, I can see that this voyage is headed toward damage and heavy loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid attention to the captain and the owner of the ship rather than to what Paul said. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided to set sail from there, hoping somehow to reach Phoenix, a harbor on Crete open to the southwest and northwest and to winter there. When a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed their anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But not long afterward, a fierce wind called the northeast, northeastern. Uh, if you have the King James Bert Version, it's called Yoraklodon. Rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and was unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called kuda Koda, however you want to pronounce it, we were barely able to control, get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship. Then fearing they would run run around on the situs, they lowered the drift anchor, and in this way they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's gear overboard with their hands. For many days, neither the sun nor the stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope that we would be saved was disappearing. Since many were going without food, Paul stood up among them and said, you men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now I urge you to take courage Because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only on the ship. For this night, an angel of the God, the angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and look, God has graciously given all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. When the 14th night came, we were drifting in the Adriatic Sea. And in the middle of the night, the sailors thought that they were approaching land. They took sounding, took a sounding and found it to be 120 feet deep. When they had sailed a little further and sounded again, they found it to be 90 feet deep. Then, fearing we might run against some rocky place, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight to come. Some sailors tried to escape from the ship. They had let down the skiff into the sea, pretending they were going to put out anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes, holding the skiff and let it drop away. When it was bought about daylight, Paul urged them all to take food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have been waiting and going without food and have eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food for this has to do with your survival, since none of you will lose a hair on your head from your head after these things. Had I'm sorry, after he said these things and had taken some bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all them. And when he broke it, he began to eat. They all became encouraged and took food themselves. It's a lot of reading, ain't it? And all there was 276 of us on the ship, 276 men on the ship. And God promised that he was going to protect every single one of them. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing the grain overboard into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land but sighted a bay with a beach, and they planned to run to the ship ashore if they could. After casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes, they had held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach, but they struck a sandbar and ran the the ship aground. The bow jammed and fast and remained unmovable while the stern began to break up by the pounding waves. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners so that no one could swim away and escape, but the centurion kept from carrying out their plan because he wanted to save Paul, so he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first to get to land. The rest were to follow, some on planks and some on debris from the ship in this way, Everyone safely reached the shore. Still holding on. Look like at your neighbor and say, I'm still holding on. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Apostle Paul uh, does something a little bit different when he begins to uh, share who he really is, because at this time he had established a church in the city of Corinth. And when he established his church in Corinth, there was another group of people that came in after he left and they tried to uh, basically jack up the foundation of everything that he had taught the church. So now you have a whole new group of people coming in trying to teach strange doctrines and just putting the church into a chaotic state. So Apostle Paul has to come in because not only did they come in and draw confusion to the church, but when they came into the church, they also begin to question the valid, the, the, the validity of Apostle Paul's apostleship. Uh, so now they're saying not only was he teaching you wrong, but he's not even an apostle because if he was one of the apostles, he would have been walking three and a half years with Jesus like the other 11. So Apostle Paul comes on the scene, comes back to the scene, and he writes the second book of Corinthians, and when he writes the second book of Corinthians, he now has to basically throw his resume at him. But he does something so different when he throws his accomplishments at at them, he does not brag about his educational accomplishments. Did not say I went to Harvard, I went to Oxford. He did not say I have a a master's of divinity. He did not say that I sat with some of the greatest minds in the Jewish world. He did not say that he was a Jewish scholar. He did not say that he spoke seven languages. All of those things he did. He didn't go to Harvard or Oxford, but he went to the University of Jerusalem, I'm assuming. Didn't brag about all of his great accomplishments. Instead, he bragged about all of his trials. And he begins to share with them how he was whipped 39 times. He's beginning to talk about how he was stoned. He began to talk about how he was left for dead. And then he said something powerful. He says, and I was shipwrecked three times. But we only have one of them recorded. <laughs> Apostle Paul comes on the scene, and I'm, I'm, I'm just talking for just a couple minutes. We'll holler in a minute. I know some of y'all came, y'all came with your dancing shoes. Apostle Paul comes on the scene, and when he comes on the scene, uh, he goes through three missionary trips. And finally, he gets through the third missionary trip. This is around Acts, the 20th chapter, but then we get to about Acts, the 21st chapter. And when we get to Acts, the 21st chapter, Paul, out of everything that he's done, Paul gets arrested for this one particular thing. He has a young man with him who is a Greek, who is a Gentile. And Apostle Paul goes into the temple. But the people, because they've seen him traveling with a Greek, assume that he took a Gentile into the temple as well. This is Acts 21. So what they do is they throw him in prison and they try to get him to be sentenced to death. Paul goes through three different trials. He goes through the trial under Felix. He goes through the trial under Festus. And then he goes through the trial under Agrippa. And none of them could find him guilty of anything that was worthy of death. Apostle Paul at this point could easily let it go, but he understands his purpose and his purpose is to spread the gospel all around the world. And one of his major accomplishments or things that he wants to accomplish is he wants to get that gospel to Rome so that he could get it to the officials and and those that are in high position. So Apostle Paul now asked that he gets a trial in Rome. I don't know about y'all, but I I don't even want a second trial after I got off the first time. If I got, you know, whatever, I got caught speeding and you send me to the local municipal court and they say not guilty, I'm going home. I'm not saying let's take this to the Supreme Court. This ain't good enough. But Apostle Paul had a purpose behind his madness. And the purpose behind his madness is my assignment is to make sure that this gospel is preached to all nations. And the question that I have for us today is how many of us have that same zeal to go to the lowest uttermost parts of our community, to go to our families, to go to our friends and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we all tell the truth, there's a conviction there because nine times out of ten, most of us didn't even tell somebody about Jesus this week. But Apostle Paul says, you know what? I want to go to Rome. And if you read the book of Acts, the 23rd chapter and the 11th verse, God tells Paul, you shall get to Rome to preach the gospel. Watch this. I ain't going to let you die here. I'm going to let you die in Rome. Y'all quiet. So Apostle Paul now gets on a mission, and he gets on a ship. And as he gets on this ship to share this gospel to Rome, a storm breaks out. He's on his way to do what he's been called to do, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. A storm breaks out called a northeast, a Northeastern or Eurachlidon. If we could update it, it was called Dorian. Imagine being in the Atlantic earlier this week. That's what Apostle Paul was going through in the book of first, I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, the 27th chapter. But yet he had a word from God that he was going to get to Rome. And sometimes we have been stricken with storms and we take focus off of the fact that God promised that he was going to get us to the other side. How many of you remember the scripture with Jesus and his disciples when he tells them, meet me on the other side? And they get on the ship. This is launching in the deep. This was our first series back in October, wasn't it? And when they get to launching in the deep, the Bible says that a storm begins to break out. You know what was so powerful about that? There were three other ships, but only one ship experienced the storm. Because sometimes God has a storm that's just for you. And you sitting around looking at other people saying, why ain't they going through like I'm going through? And God says, they don't have the same mission that I have for you. I need a lesson that has to come out of this. And you're going to be better when you make it to the other side. Uh But sometimes we get jealous and we get upset and we looking at other folks and we looking at their social media scrolling and you like how they on vacation and I ain't got no money. And how do they have this and I don't have anything. And God says, I have you here because I have a distinct purpose for you that I don't have for them. So rather than us looking at the next person and looking at our neighbor and looking at our friend, we need to rejoice because you need to understand that even in your darkest moments, God has a great lesson that's going to come out of it. So what does God do? He tells the storm, he says, peace, be still. And when the peace be still, first things first, he gets mad because they wake him up. And what that is, is sometimes we're bothering God when God has already given us a word that he's going to bring us through. Sometimes we're going through situations and we just keep on waking Jesus up. And Jesus say, didn't I tell you I was going to get you to the other side? Why don't you leave me alone? But our faith is so weak. That we just keep praying and praying and crying and crying for the same thing and God has already given you confirmation that you're going to come out. So Paul is inside of the same situation where he has a word from God, but yet he's in a situation that looks almost impossible. The Bible says that the storm was so bad that they could not even see the stars in the moon, which means that nowadays y'all got waves and you got uh, GPS and all of those type of things in your car. But back in those days, they depended on the stars in the moon so that they could find direction. And God wipes out the stars. God wipes out the moon. And God says, I'm going to be in total control of this and I want to see whether or not you'll trust me. What happens when God takes the GPS off of your spiritual self? What happens when God shows you no direction on what your next move is? How many of us handle it correctly when you don't know how in the world God is going to make a way next week? Oh, y'all, tell y'all, 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 oh, y'all quiet in here. If we tell the truth, some of us already got in our minds a plan that we're going to do just in case God don't show up. Y'all, y'all, y'all know y'all already got a plan. You got it in your back pocket. You got that 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 phone call on speed dial. God, if you don't bring this money, I got somebody that will. <laughs> and God says, you know what? Since you already have a plan, you got it. And then you make that phone call, and guess what? I'm sorry, bro. I I can't help you. I'm going through myself, son. <laughs> you know, I would help you, but uh, I I ain't, I ain't got it. And God says, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> now let's see how you gonna handle this now, bruh. <laughs> and what do you do? You find yourself coming back to God, looking for that direction, because now you understand that there is only one GPS for your spiritual service. So now there's a storm breaking out. The winds are tossing to and fro, and God gives him the confirmation of the word again in the book of Acts, and he tells Paul again, tell them, don't worry, I got them. Watch this. Tell all 275 of them, because it was 276 on the ship. Paul makes the extra one. Tell all 275 of them that they all right, because you on here. Ain't that favor? You so bad, your whole row saved, because you sitting on it. Y'all, you better look at your neighbor right now and say, you better, <laughs> you better thank God I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Still in time waiting to hit you right upside your head, but I'm saved." So God sits here now and he tells them, he says, God tells Paul, he says, Paul, tell them that nothing's going to happen to them as long as they stay on the ship. And now Paul goes to them and says, I told y'all, because if we go back so around the ninth or 10th verse, Paul told them not to try to go because he knew that a storm was coming, but they didn't listen. And the reason why they didn't listen is because Paul is an apostle and a tent maker, and these men are sailors. They do this. Now, can you imagine those of you that have specialty fields, somebody that's not in your field telling you how to do your job? How many of you are actually listening to them? So Paul is sitting here trying to tell somebody that has been a captain of a ship possibly 30 years, don't go out there. And this man is like, man, I done been through more storms than you could imagine, and you trying to tell me what to do. Now, all of a sudden, what Paul said happens, and now Paul goes and says, I told y'all. But nevertheless, because God is with us and because God has given me a promise, nothing's going to happen to you as long as you stay on this ship. I'm almost done, y'all. And now the storm hits hard. And they try to find anchors on the low. They dropping the anchors acting like they ain't know what they was doing. I can imagine one of the men went by went like this real quick and just <laughs> and that thing just kept flowing. Because God is saying there's nothing that can anchor you but me. You can throw out every hope, you can throw out every prayer, you can throw out every wishful thinking, every affirmation, everything that you think is going to happen. But if you don't put your trust in me, you have no anchor. And they throw the anchor out, but because the anchor is not Jesus, they're still getting ready to crash. And God tells them, tells Paul again, tell them that as long as they hold on, they'll be okay, watch this. And now they start hitting rocks. Now the ship starts breaking apart. Now they get close enough ashore to where some of the men can swim, but I think they had a couple brothers on there like myself who ain't great swimmers. (laughs) So they had to hold on to broken pieces. And that broken piece was just enough to get them to their destination. (laughs) Sometimes God will give you just enough to get you to where you need to go. Because sometimes that just enough is all enough that you need. I don't know if any of y'all ever been there where God gave you just enough money to make it to Friday. All right, I'm going to tell the truth. You got $3 in the account and you know why, why I put a $1 hold. So you swiping and say, they'll take it out tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. All right, y'all, y'all ain't never been broke before. I, I, I do that. I've done that $1 hold before. Some of y'all laughing because y'all been there. You are holding on to some broken pieces. And now they get ashore and they get to their destination, but let me try to help you use your homiletical imagination. What do you think they think about Jesus now? That storm led them to Christ. (laughs) Sometimes our hardest moments is the moments that make us say, I know that God is real. (laughs) If it wasn't for these broken pieces that got me to where I needed to get to, I wouldn't know them for myself. And if some of us could give God a praise on today, we would give him a praise for some of the broken pieces that got us to where we needed to get to. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? I wish I could holler, but I can't holler right now. But I just thank God that there were some moments in my life that he proved to me that he was real. I couldn't depend on mama and daddy and cousins and sisters and brothers and sisters God sometimes God put me in a situation where there was no one else that could help me but him and now that I know him for myself can nobody do me like Jesus can nobody tell me God ain't real and can I help somebody you can't tell me I can't praise him because if you knew what I've been through you'd be praising God too Who am I talking to in here on today? Anybody made it through some broken pieces? Anybody been through some hardships this year? Anybody been through some things that you didn't know whether or not you was going to make it out? But God gave you an encouragement word, but somewhere along the line during that storm, you took your mind off of what he told you. But then when you got to your destination, you remembered that he told you that he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Uh Sometimes God has to put you in a hard place so that you could remember the word that he promised you before you went through the storm. And I don't know who I'm talking to on today, but I'm telling you right now, the word has already been confirmed. All you got to do now is hold on to the pieces. The waves are waving you. The storm is acting crazy. But if you can hold on just a little bit longer, God's going to get you to your destination. Somebody say, hold on. on. Don't give up, y'all. You almost there. You almost there. Uh Folks are trying to make you quit. Things are trying to make you lose your mind. Your family got you thinking you out of your mind and you crazy. But I'm here to give you confirmation. You're on the way. Just hold on a little bit longer. This scripture means a lot to me. This scripture means a whole lot to me because two years ago, I thought I was shipwrecked. Two years ago, I thought my world had fallen apart. Two years ago, I thought that a certain portion of my life was over. But God had given me a word back in May of 2002 that everything was going to be all right. But 15 years later, I forgot the word. And the ship began to break into pieces. And God shut my GPS system down and said, I'm giving you no direction. I'm putting you through a season to where you'll know me for yourself. And I was floating ashore left and right, east, west, north, south, didn't know what I was gonna do. Remember laying there when my wife said, I'm gonna go ready to go to my boss's office and we are just gonna move to Florida and we are gonna try to start all over again. And I was getting ready to do that and I heard the Lord as clear as day saying, you have to plant this church. And I remember telling God, God, I ain't planting no church. This ain't what I'm supposed to do. Because in my imagination and in my mind and according to my GPS, that was not part of my plan. But God says, this is part of your plan. This is not part of your plan, but it's part of my plan. You're going to build this church. And I begin to struggle with this because I don't understand how I'm going to start a church and I ain't got no money. Everything is broken. I'm trying to just take care of my family. How in the world do you expect me to be responsible for other people's souls? This ship is breaking apart, and I don't understand, but God says, I need you to trust me. And now I find myself going through some situations where I'm holding on to pieces. Thursday night Bible studies in my house. 10, 15 people, but I'm holding on. Finally, the 15 people turned to 25, and I moved to the Herbert's house, but I'm holding on. Finally, we outgrew their house, and we moved to the Riverwinds, but I was still holding on. Finally, we moved to Fearless Friday, but I still was holding on. Finally, we moved over uh, from, from Fearless Friday all the way to down the street to West Denver, but I still was holding on. And finally, I thought there was no hope, and I said, gotcha, God." August of 2018, and we had nowhere to go. And God said, you're launching September 9th. -hmm. And I said, God, it's August. Gotcha. I told you I knew what I was doing. God said, no, you're launching September 9th. I said, no, I ain't, because we ain't got no building. We went for a building about two miles up the road, and they told us no. And I said, we ain't got no building, God. I did everything you told me to do. But God reminded me back on January, around January 2018, me and Royce were just praying and walking through the city, this city, because God said, Woodbury. And I said, Woodbury? Woodbury? And me and Royce, I don't know if you remember this, we were walking through the parking lot and we was putting our heads all in these windows over here. And Todd Marshall came out of this door and said, yo, come in here, look at this. This is my father-in-law's spot. And I'm like, oh, this nice. He's like, I'm I'm gonna call him now. I'm like, nah, chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Got on the phone, called him, put me on the phone, Reverend Allen, I said, Reverend Allen, how you doing, sir? You know, we're looking to launch in September, whatever, but you know, he said, oh, let me know when you're ready, and i and that was January, and I forgot. Now it's August, and God said, remember that phone call Reverend Allen back on January? Call him. All right. And I called Reverend Allen, he said, yeah, I got a spot for you. Right. Yeah. Wow. When do you want to come in? I said, September 9th, See God. See God. and on September 9th, we moved in here last year. Because God threw an extra piece to get me through my destination. And when I thought everything was broken and everything had ripped apart and there was no hope, God gave me that last piece to get to my destination. And I'm floating along. And I'm here to tell somebody that we are one years old, but we're still holding on. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh, y'all got me Pentecostal up in here. Say, neighbor. We're still holding on. on. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in here. I hope this is a word of encouragement to somebody in here as I get ready to take my seat. And tell you, don't give up. Hold on. Help is on the way. You look like you're down and out. You look like there's no hope. You look like there's nothing that's going to come out of this. But God told me to tell somebody there's one more piece that he's getting ready to throw at you. done we went through so much in these two years but God never failed on his promises and what I had to learn was that my plan was not God's plan and if I would have kept working in my plan I would have destroyed myself. I would have destroyed my family, because I would have been in my own way. But because I listened to a still small voice that I thought, I thought I was crazy, y'all. That's all right, see, I knew I was crazy. (laughs) Because I listened to that still small voice, you guys are here with me today to celebrate. And in two years, we fed families. In two years, we've witnessed to homeless people in different communities, and two years, we've been to shelters, and two years, we've done back to school packages for teachers, and two years, I can't even tell you everything that we've done in two years, We've sent toys to all different types of kids that didn't have toys for Christmas. In two years, everything that you guys have sown into this ministry has gone back out to be a blessing to someone else. No money has been stolen. No money is unaccounted for. But every single investment that you have made has been a blessing to somebody out in this community. And I am grateful that every single one of you have remained and every single one of you have steadfast and every single one of you continue to believe in this ministry because we have so much more that we want. Want to do. Amen. So I, I wish I could holler today, but I, I just, I got a headache, a little, to be honest with you. Hold on. Hold on just a little bit longer. Y'all hear me? Hold on. I lost one of my best friends over a year ago. And every time I come in this door, I feel him telling me, you better keep going. Every time I come in this door, I feel those are your prayers. Every Sunday I come up here, whether it's 10 of us or whether it looks like this, I give everything that I have. Yes. We've done Bible studies in malls and Internet. And it's a poor note. We done wrote out blueprints and plans of our own and a whole lot of stuff ain't work. <laughs> I only want to show y'all some of the visions we had. <laughs> we was we, we was gonna do a whole lot of stuff in one year. <laughs> but God has been good. God has been good. So um I don't I don't have a great closer. I wish I could take it home right now, but. <laughs> I can't take it home. Next Sunday, I'll... T- I'll well, I ain't, ain't going to lie to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going to lie to y'all. Next Sunday, we're going to finish our series on the Holy Spirit. But I want to thank you guys, again, for all of your support, uh, for believing in Hope Haven Ministry. And um, I'm looking forward to many, 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 yeah. many more years. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm going to give you three points, and I'm going to sit down. <clears throat> I thought I was going to preach a little longer than this, but I, I, I this is all God gave me today. Y'all ready? Point number one: God is always in control, <laughs> in spite of what it looks like. <laughs> I'm like, jeez. I'm like, I'm like, yo, this Willambro education right here. <laughs> I'm like, oh my lord. Are y'all with me? Number two: God sends blessings that sometimes we cannot initially see. We can't even see what God is doing, and sometimes it's sitting right there in front of you. You know what's crazy is my wife and I, when we first got married, we lived right behind here at uh, Kingsway, Kingswick? Kingswick apartment. For our first year, we lived around here. And when I, was, I Orange Cleaners was actually my cleaners. And little did I know, that, that was 2006, that I was coming to the plaza that one day I initially would have church in. It was sitting right in front of me. Didn't even know it. Number three, God will always make a way for those that trust him. Oh, thank you, baby. God will always make a way for those that (laughs) trust him. Paul got a word in Acts 23 and 11, and the storm didn't happen until Acts 27. But Paul had to keep in mind what God told him four chapters earlier. I want you guys right now, if you can, to think back on the promises of God concerning your life that have not happened yet, but he promised. And now I want you to look at whatever you're going through and recognize that what he has spoken still has to happen in spite of what you're in right now. So he'll always make a way for those that trust him. How many of you trust God on today? Praise God. Father, we thank you for meeting us in this place on today, God. We thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Lord, that we're still holding on. A year later. I know it's only a year and but a lot of churches ain't even make it a year. And we're grateful for every step. We're grateful for every process. We're grateful for all the progress that has gone on along the way. And God, we thank you, Lord, that Even if we're holding on to a broken piece right now, we're still alive. We're still surviving. And we trust you till you get us to where we need to be. And Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.